Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. It is Monday morning, and you know what that means. We start strong on this channel, and we start with Mr. Greg Dickerson. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Michael. How are you this morning? I'm doing well, man. I Again, you have no idea how much I appreciate the, the subscribers of the channel. appreciate that you will take the time, even when you're on the road doing business, to have a quick hour conversation with us. So thank you again. Yeah, absolutely, man. I enjoy it. Good conversations, and uh, you know we'll have to see if Everybody wants me to come back for 2022. I know we've been doing this a couple of years. So, yeah. you know, it's your channel. I don't want to take up space if, if, for somebody else. But, you know, hey, if the viewers want it, I'll be here. If not, then I'm out. Oh, oh there we go, folks. Leave a comment below. You want Greg coming back. And if you don't, I don't leave a comment. Let's see where the votes come. I know I want him back. But let's, let's see what people have to say. Uh, so what I wanted to talk to you about today, uh, I believe Tuesday of last week, we have seen a great shift by the Fed, specifically Powell. Uh, this, this is leading to something you've termed the great deleverage, which I think is awesome. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. But let me talk about Tuesday. So Tuesday, Jerome, so he gets renominated Monday. On Monday, we have this whole new variant. You know, we're all don't know what's going to happen. Maybe you have to slow down, yada, yada, yada. Tuesday. Direct reverse, right? Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. I believe what Powell did is he suddenly switched the Fed's priority from full employment, 1A, 1B, stable prices, which he which he reversed 18 months ago. I believe what he did Tuesday, he says, full employment's done, 4.6% unemployment, close enough. We got to worry about prices. 18 months of rising prices, 6.2%. I think Friday CPI comes out and I'm calling 7.1%. So again, another record. And I believe Powell's like, I need to become Paul Volcker. I need to raise rates. I need to taper faster. And you know, I'm trying to tell the market, but nobody's paying attention. So I think your term, the great deleverage, is interesting, but it could also cause some pain if you're not paying attention. Yeah, he's been sending signals for a while. And you know, I think the great deleveraging event started several months ago when they first started thinking about talking about thinking about tapering okay. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah when that whole conversation started we started to see the markets you know and the behavior of investors change a little bit so now it's full on he's told them look it's time to unload start taking profits you know the party's over so everybody now knows the party is over and you know i had this conversation this morning um with one of my clients you know, what What can and what will the Fed do, you know, if and when things start to tank? Because they will in terms of markets, you know, mm -hmm. from uh, financial markets, you know, that'll bleed over into, um, you know, credit markets, which bleeds over into real estate, business financing, funding, things like that. And, you know, right now there's more danger being done by not pulling back than there mm -hmm. will be by a deleveraging and pulling back. And then once he pulls back and we deleverage and they can do it all over again. So what mm -hmm. I would tell everybody to look at, go back and study what happened in 2018, because we've okay. been through this before when he thought we were going to be facing inflation and we really didn't. This time it's real. We mm -hmm. are facing inflation. So what happened in 2018? We had a big sell off in the markets. You know, the real estate market started correcting and slowed down. If you remember, you know, the end of 2018 going into 2019, real estate market just tanked. It turned off like a light yeah, bulb. It froze. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're headed right now. Same time frame, you know, in terms of time of the year when it all started, and we're already seeing the housing market kind of change in some areas. We're seeing prices come down in some areas, some areas. <laughs> um, 
you know, and as rates go up, prices will change, markets will respond. The big thing that's happening right now that didn't happen before is that consumer behavior has fundamentally changed due to inflation. Gas prices, food, housing, all of the things that the Fed doesn't look at in their inflation um, you know, computations and the CPI doesn't take into consideration. All of the things that we need to live, they don't use yeah, to gauge not, inflation. Not part of core inflation, which drives me crazy. Oh, it's- Healthcare uh, costs, yeah, you know, nuts. everything. That's yeah. So again, a great, so this, I, I love that advice. Go back and look at 2018. It was really the last four months of the year. And you're right, the real estate market, at least in my market, it didn't drop, but it froze, right? Uh, transaction stop, which means, because again, real estate is slower than stock, slower than crypto. Days on market started to pile up. Active listings started to pile up. And that, you know, if that would have went on for months longer, yeah, we, we may have seen price drops or whatnot. But yeah, the market, I think that's great advice. And again, great deleveraging. There is, um, I don't know, do you know Chris Saka, the name? Chris Saka, he's a, he's a billionaire, I don't know, investor anyways. He was out saying this weekend that his, his uh, phone was blown up because people were trying to borrow money from him because their crypto accounts went negative because they got caught short or whatever, got caught on margin, I guess. And he's like, dude, I'm not giving you any money. What are you talking about? So I can't, I can't believe people still buy crypto on margin. $2.5 billion was lost Saturday morning. It's crazy. Well, you know, so a lot of people, you know, don't understand, and especially, you know, Bitcoin maximalists and, you know, people that have been in the crypto space, strictly crypto for a long time, you know, they don't understand in, in what it really is. I mean, it's, it's risk assets, it's yes. risk on, it's a, it's a casino. It's, you know, it, it's something that people are highly speculating in, not a store of value, not a hedge against inflation. Bitcoin has failed the hedge against inflation test. Now, I'm not saying Bitcoin's done, it's never going yeah. back and all that. But what I am saying is, you know, a lot of the traditionalists, maximalists, and everybody said it would never see 50,000 again. They said, you know, to never see 40,000 again, never see 30,000 again. It's going to be 150, 200, 300. You know, it's a narrative that they need to put out there in order to keep the price pumped up. And what they found out was there's no buyers, you know, above that 69,000. Mm -hmm. That was a manipulated price point. Retail wasn't buying in at those levels. Very yeah. little, you know, retail was buying in. So the true value of Bitcoin is probably really true market value, probably in the 40s, um, maybe high 30s, just like the stock market. You know, we're 20, 30 percent overvalued in the stock market at uh, across the board. Real estate, probably same thing, 20, 30 percent overvalued right now. It's all artificial due to the, um, you know, liquidity that's been pumped to the markets. You know, the stimulus that was given to everybody, they went and put it in cryptos and stocks and things like that. Now, not everybody, but a lot of people. So that's a largely what's driven that. And as long as the markets go up, everybody's happy, everything's good. But yeah, leverage is dangerous. The good thing about leverage in crypto is you only lose what you have at stake. You don't lose what you have yeah. lost. Whereas <laughs> in the stock market, you lose what you had at stake and you got to make up the losses. Yeah, margin crypto, calls. You, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, crypto, you got to you know pledge your assets. You have to put right. up your assets. So they just liquidate you. You just go and to zero. Most Right. And most of the exchanges are rigged against people. So you got to be really good in order to, you know, be able to trade on margin and, and make it work in crypto. And, you know, again, crypto right now. So it Bitcoin specifically used to run on four year cycles because of the havoc, right? Every four years, the supply would get cut in half. And the other mistake that a lot of traditionalists make in that space is they think it's all about limited supply. That's not what's driving the price. It's demand. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you only have one of something. If there's no demand for it, it doesn't matter. 
Right. It's not about the supply and the limited supply and the scarcity and all that. That means nothing. It's all about the demand of the investors that want to trade that asset on a highly speculative basis. That's what mm. crypto is. Bottom line. Now, there's a lot of money in the space. There's a lot of adoption in the space. It's just overvalued like everything else. So we mm. need to go through a little bit of a deleveraging so that we can reset the asset so we can do it all over again. So you're going to see these things now versus that four-year cycle that we've been in where Bitcoin will go up, you know, past the halving, then it tanks and you go through a multi-year bear market, you know, those types of things. I just don't think that we're going to see multi-year bear, bear markets in, in crypto anymore like we have in the past or really even the stock market because we haven't. You know, I mean, it's, you know, we're going to see deleveraging events and it's going to continue on. It's going to deleverage and it's going to continue on. Yeah. So when you think about the great deleveraging, I think about the people who got involved in the last 18 months, right? There's a the Reddit investor, Wall Street bets. There's a lot of people that Robin Hood, right? We, we, all these people who kind of been kind of kind of treating investing like gambling, right? They're addicted to that high. And again, I say this as someone who got got. 20 some odd years ago or 30 years ago now. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to get, if you keep kind of coming back to the casino, the casino eventually wins. Is that fair? Yeah. Just go study the dot-com, you know, boom and bust what happened and why. And we're, in, we're doing the exact same thing all over again. And this isn't like doom and gloom or anything. No. It just is the reality of the situation we're in mm -hmm. and real estate's gone through it again, just like 2008 and nine. That was a hyperinflated real estate market due to leverage. It was the ability to borrow money. Anybody could borrow money. Yeah. You didn't have to put any money down. Uh, interest rates were cheap. It was interest-only loans, You know, just like we're seeing right now, except for more of the debt market in real estate is long-term where people got you know, long-term low-interest mortgages. But that has artificially propped prices up because you know, of the low interest rates. And you know, it just has to unwind and delever and go the other way. So we're in that process now. It's just beginning. The Fed can't do anything. They have to let it go. The question is, how far are they going to let it go? Right. And what, if any, will the effects be when they do step back in? Because they can't really drop rates much more. Mm -mm. Um, you know, they can start pumping liquidity back in. But the question is, will there be an appetite at that point? And, and will it even make a difference at that point? Um, yeah, you know, because inflation pushing is a, pushing on a string, right? They're just yeah, because inflation is real. And, you know, it's it's come home to roost. And you know, prices aren't sustainable. So, you know, it's the same thing that happened in the whole dot-com thing. So, you know, um, there's always, you know, again, I say bad times never last, good times never last. Everything goes in cycles. Everything goes in waves. The real thing that I think that's interesting and encouraging is I don't think we're going to see huge, you know, bear markets like we saw in real estate post-2009. I don't say, think you're going to see that, potentially that kind of thing, because the banks aren't in trouble like they were yeah. then. There, there is you know, more demand than supply right now in real estate, which again, it's all about demand. It's not about scarcity. Real estate's scarce. You know, it's about the demand. If the demand dries up, the ability to borrow money, low interest rates is what creates demand. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, it doesn't matter how scarce real estate is if the inventory will start going up again. You know, Bitcoins, you know, and cryptocurrencies are kind of going through the same thing. And there, there's a difference. You know, Bitcoin's a very different thing than the crypto space in general. And the crypto space is highly evolved now where it wasn't several years ago. So Bitcoin was really the only game in town and Ethereum mm. and maybe Ripple, you know, but now it's changed. You have DeFi, you have the gaming space, you have the metaverse, um, you have, uh, you know, all of these different areas that the capital is now being allocated into that are longer term versus just, you know, the, the Bitcoin play. Gotcha. And uh, it's a very different game. And it's going to get more difficult to make exponential 
returns in those markets like we've seen in the past. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you to wrap up this first episode is I can't think of a time where the Fed, I, I, I'm going to call it successfully deflated a bubble, right? There's been several times in my investing career where they their preference was to slowly deflate. Every time I've seen them do that, there's an external force and the bubble pops, which creates a an accelerated event. Um, obviously, the Fed today with Jerome Powell changing his stance would like to deflate the bubble. Historically speaking, it, it, it had, they haven't been successful. Do you know, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, they, they don't because they ignore things and they're always too late, right? They're always behind the eight ball. And uh, when he was talking about maybe doing something, and now saying, hey, we're going to be raising rates next year. They need to be raising rates this meeting coming up. Yeah. They need to be pulling back significantly, eliminating Take asset her. purchases altogether. Uh, you know, they, that needs to be done and over with. So they're just too late to the game. So they pop mm -hmm. bubbles. They don't deflate. Yeah. The Fed has two mandates, full employment and stable right. Uh, inflation, right? Uh, interest rate prices. environment, mm -hmm. stable prices, inflation through interest rate control. That's right. really it. They have no business buying you know, stocks, bonds, mortgage-backed securities. ETFs, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they're, they, sh they should never have gone down that road. They should never do that. Now, the other side of the coin is they didn't do it in the past, you know, the Great Depression, things like that. And had they have done that, would we have avoided that? So we've avoided a depression, mm -hmm. you know, by what the Fed has done back in 2008 and 9. We've kicked that can down the road. You know, um, I think they way overreacted during the pandemic because obviously we recovered you know, from that pretty well. And they put the money, they didn't put the money where it was really needed. Yeah. You know, the small businesses that, that went out of business that suffered, that did not get made whole, it all went to Wall Street. And that's, you know, and we know what happens there. Same thing that happened in 08 and 09. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to see that, but maybe not to the effect, you know, that we saw back then, you know, just mostly in financial assets. Very cool. Greg, I appreciate this conversation. The great deleveraging has started. Allah, Mr. Greg Dickerson has shared with us. So thanks for that. How can people follow you? gregdickerson.com. All my info is there, YouTube channel, podcast. And don't forget to put your boat below. Yeah. If you want me back in 2022, let us know. Yeah. If not, Michael will have to find a suitable replacement if that's <laughs> even possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. All right.